0: Christianity is not primarily about life after death. It's primarily about life after life after death. That is the meaning of resurrection. Jesus did not die and go to heaven as a disembodied spirit, but he was raised in a physical, glorified body. It is true that upon death, our souls go to be with the Lord in heaven, but that is only a temporary destination. Our final destination is for our body and our soul to be reunited and raised from the dead. It's been said that Christ came not only to heal our souls, but our wholes. W-H-O-L-E-S. We are not spirits trapped in meat suits, but God created us body and soul and will redeem us body and soul. And Christ's resurrection is a foretaste of our eternal embodied destiny and the demonstration that death is a defeated enemy. Its days are numbered. Hope has come, and we will share in the same glorious resurrection as the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Understanding 1 Corinthians. (music) Having established earlier in chapter 15 verses 1 to 34 that Christ's resurrection means that we too will be raised, Paul goes on to describe in chapter 15 verses 35 to 58 The nature of our resurrected bodies. The church at Corinth struggled in various ways with elevating the spiritual over the physical. If it's all about our spiritual life and not our bodies, then go ahead, sleep with prostitutes. Or if it's all about the spiritual life and not our bodies, then nobody should sleep with anyone ever because bodies are bad. Don't even sleep with your wife, right? And Paul rejects this. Christ was born into a physical body and he was raised from the dead in a physical body. It was a different kind of body. It was a glorified body, but it was a true physical body. So resurrection is not about our souls leaving our body or our bodies simply being brought back to life in their same former state. Resurrection is the complete transformation of our bodies into a new form, a new physical and embodied state. So listen to the details that Paul gives as I read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 35 to 58. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. So is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust, and as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Paul is going to speak about the nature of the resurrected body, verses 35 to 49, And then the victory of the resurrected body, verses 50 to 58. What is the nature of the resurrected body? Well, Paul tells us that the relationship between our current bodies and our future glorified resurrected bodies is analogous to that of a kernel and a stalk of wheat. A kernel contains all the genetic material of the wheat, yet it exists in a different form. So also our bodies will be different in some ways, but similar in others to our current bodies. Furthermore, a kernel cannot become a stalk of wheat unless it is first buried. And our current bodies, too, must be buried in death so that they may rise up into the wheat stalk of our resurrection bodies. So there's a connection, a continuity, but also a difference. Just like a seed to a tree or a kernel to a wheat stalk has a continuity, but also a difference in form. So there's a relationship, but there's also a difference. Now, the resurrected body is a true and physical body just like the one we possess now. But it's a different kind of body, and this is nothing new. God created different kinds of bodies with different kinds of glory. He created different earthly bodies, human bodies, animal bodies, birds, and fish bodies. And he created different heavenly bodies as well, the sun, moon, and the stars. Each take different forms, and each have different kinds of glory. So why can't God create another kind of human body with a different kind of glory? And that's what Paul says that God does. Now, Paul does not get explicit on the exact details of our resurrected body, because no one knows what the wheat will look like until the season of harvest has come. And until Jesus Christ returns, we're just just not going to know. We're not going to know the exact nature of these glorified bodies. But we can be sure of a few things. We will go from a perishable body to an imperishable body. So our current bodies are subject to the dishonor of sin's shame and the weakness of death and decay. But our future bodies will be raised in glory and power. They won't be subject to sin and death and and all the limitations of our, our current earthly bodies. Now, Paul refers to our current earthly bodies as our natural bodies. And that refers to bodies still corrupt by a sin nature. And when we're raised, we raise in a spiritual body. Now, spiritual is a reference not to being immaterial or like ghostly, but redeemed. That we're righteous. We're, we're no longer corrupted by our sin nature. We're free from sin's bondage completely. So it's essentially, if you think about it, we're, we're, we're right now in a fleshly, in a sin-stained existence. And one day we'll be in a pure existence. But they're both going to be physical and bodily. And so we see that, that God brings another analogy. God gathered Adam from the dust of the earth and breathe life into him. So Adam is the earthly man. He's a living being. But Christ is superior. He breathes life into others. And he came from heaven, not from the dust. He's the heavenly man. So Adam came first, but he is surpassed by the second Adam, Jesus Christ. And we go from being like Adam to being like Christ. We are born like Adam as earthly men, but we're reborn in Christ as heavenly men. That's what's going to happen at our resurrection. So, this is not a transformation from physical to non-physical, but sinful to perfectly righteous, from one form of bodily existence to an elevated, higher form. So, our resurrection is not a return to Adam's pre-fall state. That's important to understand. But it's an elevation to another kind of existence entirely. Adam was created with the ability to sin. After the fall, we are born not able to not sin. And when we are raised up again like Christ, we will not be able to sin. So Adam was born, able to sin. We are born, not able, not to sin. And we will be reborn in the resurrection as able, as as rather not able to sin at all. Okay, so God conforms us in the image of Christ, first in our character, but finally in our bodies at the resurrection. We're literally going to be like Christ. We're going to have bodies like him. That's why Paul says in Philippians 3, verses 20 to 21, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. So Christ is the first fruits of a new humanity. His body, his glorified body is going to be the future for us. We're going to be transformed from lowly bodies to a glorious body. Now this leads to the victory of the resurrected body. Paul points out that We must go under this transformation from a lowly body to a glorious body in order to inherit the kingdom of God, because perishable flesh cannot inherit the imperishable kingdom. We must be made into people fit for an eternal kingdom. We have to become immortal people. Now, the question comes up, what about those who are alive when Jesus returns? What if if Jesus comes back and he raises the dead, but you're still alive? You haven't died yet. What's going to happen to you? Are you going to miss out on this transformation? And Paul says, no you too will be transformed in the blink of an eye. The trumpet's going to sound, which signifies God's final day of judgment. And our perishable and mortal bodies, whether they're alive or dead, will put on the imperishable and immortal resurrection bodies. It's going to happen to everybody. So our resurrection brings about the final stage in God's plan. And this actually fulfills Prophecy in Scripture. In Isaiah 25, there's a prophecy about this great meal that God throws for His redeemed people from all the nations. And in that meal, they celebrate His ultimate victory over death. And our resurrection and the new heavens and the earth that God brings in is the fulfillment of that. That we will celebrate that feast when God finally does away with sin and evil at the return of Christ. So it fulfills Isaiah 25, it also fulfills Hosea 13:14 in a unique way. Paul quotes Hosea 13:14 but flips it on its head. In the original context, Hosea 13:14 speaks of God saying to Israel, he's going to punish them with death. That death is going to come as a penalty for their unfaithfulness. But Paul takes that and transforms it. Because in light of Christ's resurrection, the condemnation of the law and the sting of death and the power of sin has been removed. So death is no longer a judgment, but a vanquished foe. And Paul is actually taunting death now, saying that you were once the just recompense for our sin, but now in Christ that has been flipped. The verdict has been shifted. Christ has conquered death and sin, and now you who once terrorized those who were living are now a conquered foe. The final enemy has been defeated and put under submission to Christ. What Hosea spoke of has now been defeated. And it's no longer a sign of judgment, but now it's, it's in, in Paul's words, it's a taunt against death. You can't win. Christ has defeated you. He has done to you what no human power could do. He has conquered you and defeated you with his resurrection. And the resurrection of Christ is the sure sign of death's final defeat. Because death's destruction is ensured, we can get to work. And Paul says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Look, if Christ was not raised, then our faith and our preaching is in vain. What are we doing all this for? That's what Paul says earlier in this chapter. But if Christ has been raised, then we need to get to work because our work matters. Our victory is secured. We're on the winning team. And that's what animates our life. That's what gives us the the passion to reach the nations, to evangelize our neighbors, to raise kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord, to serve one another, to preach the gospel. Because Jesus really did come. He really was raised and a kingdom really is coming. Death really has been defeated. And even though we still feel the specter of death because Christ hasn't returned, we can be sure. We can celebrate beforehand. We can celebrate in advance because the victory is so sure. Death no longer has power over us. To quote gladiator, what we do in life echoes in eternity. Now that's spoken by pagans in a pagan movie. But the pagan Romans are longing for the hope that only Christ provides. Victory over sin and death and life everlasting. And that is the hope of the resurrection. That is the hope that Jesus Christ gives us. And we can't live without it. But thanks be to God that it happened. And that we can have that as our firm foundation. So take this as an encouragement, as a benediction, as a good word over you. Don't give up. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because in Christ, because of his resurrection, because of death's defeat, nothing you do is in vain.